Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children. In music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with
with envious eyes. Perception is the key, and the heart yeah. is the solution. Heart perception will change everything. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. And check out the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. You can subscribe to our archive there, get access to the digital books and more. We have our Black Friday holiday special or Holy Day special, the Holic Dogs. The old English for holiday, holy day. It's $40 for a one-year subscription, all three digital books, and a physical book, free shipping in the United States, all at www.thesecretteachings.info. And again, you can contact us through the email at rdgable at yahoo.com. Check out the network website, thefringe.fm. It's being revised right now. And if you go to the network website, you'll find the full list of all the shows on the Fringe FM not just the secret teachings. You can also download the Fringe FM app on your smartphone. Whether you have an Apple device or another kind of phone, you can download the Fringe FM app for free, and that way you can listen to the Fringe FM through that app. There's on-demand shows as well of uh, broadcasts after they air. You can even send the network a shout-out through the app. So that's pretty cool. It's the Fringe FM app. You can download that again for free and check out the new website. A lot of work, a lot of effort is going into it. Thefringe.fm. And if it's not working, it's just under construction at the moment. Our website, though, is working, thesecretteachings.info. There's not a lot of stuff on our website, really. It's just a very basic, simple website to drive traffic for the archive, for the top news stories. I always put those links up there as well. Pretty much anything we talk about on the show, it goes into the top news archive on the website which is one of the oldest things I've done going back to the old radio show like 10, 11 years ago. Time seems to be going quicker and quicker. And uh, it's way over 10 years now that I've done radio. And when I used to do radio, I think the website is actually still up. I don't even know how to log into it to shut it down. It was like the dshow.wordpress.com. So it was just a WordPress site. And the show used to be called, I don't even know if I could say say this show used to be called, but the original show I did was called The D Show. And the original host of that show was named Dimitri. And we called him The Big D because this guy was, he was like six foot six, six foot seven. He's a big, tall guy. He, uh, he died uh, many years ago. It's like 11 years ago now or something. And uh, around this time, actually, uh, it was around the time of the presidential debate uh, that occurred in Orlando, Florida, when Dr. Ron Paul was running for president. And I remember I got uh, tickets to go to that. I think it was sponsored by Google, and I just found the press pass that I have from the Republican National Convention, and I got to go to that debate, and I remember I met Dr. Ron Paul there for the first time, and I was so excited because my friend Dimitri, he was, he was a big fan of Ron Paul, and I was calling him like, hey, come, come down to the event center. Like, you can come in here. I've got the press passes. I called him on the way home. I didn't hear anything from him, and then... Come to find out later, he died in a car crash that morning and uh, never got to talk to him or see him 
uh, before that, he did do radio with me that week and uh, kind of just put me in the driver's seat. And then I redesigned the show when I took it over. I turned it into the secret teachings. It was kind of like, you know, little high school sport, little high school basketball. And then, you know, you go to college to play and then you get drafted to the, uh, to the NBA or something, right? That's kind of how I feel about my history on radio. But when I used to do the radio show at WPRK, which is in uh, Rollins College, Orlando, Florida, I, I had a little bit of compulsiveness. So I, anytime I did a show, I wanted everything to be in front of me. News articles, any referenced material like a book, I had pages tagged and highlighted, and I still do that. I think I've channeled my what otherwise would be crippling compulsiveness into producing this show. And I've always thought if I stop doing radio, I, 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 I might lapse back into those. I mean, I'd have to do something, maybe obsessive cleaning or whatever, but this is how I've, I've controlled that compulsiveness, which compulsion is not necessarily a problem, I don't think, unless it kind of consumes your life. So what I would do when I did radio then, because I, I was a terrible student in school and I was virtually unaware of anything going on in the world except what people told me. I was very much a, um, a follower of ideology. I, I didn't know anything. I didn't have really a lot of views for myself, but I started to develop them like 10, 11 years ago. You know, I'm just out of high school. I'm like 19 years old, 18 to 19, and I start to read books and I start to learn things really hadn't solidified what I thought or what I believed. I, I read books like The Biggest Secret by David Icke. I read books like The Secret History of the World by Mark Booth. I skimmed through science books and history books and read things about the pyramids and Egypt. I read uh, lots of Jim Mars. It's pretty cool. Later on, you know, I get, get to hang out with Jim Mars and do a lot of radio with Jim and even radio with David Icke later. Uh, we did a show with him just this year, actually. So I, I did all that, and I started to compile all this information, and I, I wrote these books, which I, I don't see admittance of it as a sign of weakness. Some people have told me, like, don't say that on air, but I, I feel like the books were really amateurish. They were like, it was like 10 years ago, and I just put these books together so I could have a PDF file, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I just wanted a PDF file. So during the show, if I blanked on something, I could just type it in, and I could pull it up real quick, and it was like, okay, we want to talk about secret societies. So I type in secret societies, type in Freemasons, Illuminati, Skull and Bones, something, and it, it would pull it up so I'd have a reference point, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Most radio hosts have lots of reference points, and I think I've just gotten used to doing the show with um, you know, a handful of talking uh topics like no, not talking points but talking topics like I'd have a few news articles I forget that you know a lot of radio shows it's just like an overwhelming amount of information that the host goes off of I try to stick to a theme and then follow that theme through and one of the themes that I I, I kind of miss I have like nostalgia for is the subject of secret societies and I wrote a lot about them in those original like pdf files I put together which I turned into books called the grand illusion and another book called The Persistent Illusion, and those books are a combined, I haven't looked at them, looked at them in detail in years, I mean, they're like a combined 1,800 pages, like, yes, 1,800 pages of material, of notes that I put together when I first began radio. And it was all, you know, content that I compiled myself and 
typed it out. It wasn't like copy and pasting. Like I wrote the books. So it was a lot of work and it turned into these PDF files that turned into books that they're not printed anymore. But when you subscribe to the show and we have our big special going on for the end of the year, 40 bucks for a year and all the digital books, which means you get my three main books now, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, The Technological Elixir, and a free copy of one of those in softcover, free shipping for the end-of-the-year special. But I've also put into the archive my original books, The Grand Illusion, False Prophets, and The Lovers of Children, and The Persistent Illusion. So those books, even though they're not really publishable, let's say, I mean, I guess they could be if I re-edited them, but I don't have time to set through 2,000 pages. It's a lot of, it's a lot of content. But they're on there. That's the point. They're on there, and you can look at them on the website at thesecretteachings.info if you're a subscriber. And these books are just like these massive compilations of material. I really don't know how I wrote these things. There's so much information. But when I read them, like I was reading a little bit before tonight's show, and I was going through and looking at secret societies because I had saw this story from NPR about how the Freemasons are losing members and and their ranks are dwindling. This is the headline from NPR. Freemasons say they are needed now more than ever. So why are their ranks dwindling? And so I started to look up stuff about Freemasons in my books just because I knew that the books were very, very heavily diluted with secret societies. You know, I had read like Rule by Secrecy by Jim Mars, and I'd read probably dozens of books on Skull and Bones and, and, and just Freemasonry in general and the Bavarian Illuminati and books that claimed they were about the real Illuminati. And you read books about other secret societies and then the Knights Templar, which weren't necessarily a secret society, but they were in a way. And you read all these things about secret societies. And looking back on that today, I was definitely a person then who... Today, if I was also me looking at that person then, I'd probably probably have a little bit of um, frustration for them because I was the person for a very short period of time, maybe about a year and a half to two years when I first began doing radio, where I thought like Freemasonry, yeah, they're involved in everything. And that's what I have nostalgia for. I remember, it's, I don't know, maybe it's a morbid nostalgia, but I have a little bit of nostalgia for this thing like, Every, everything used to be Freemasons, remember? And, and maybe it still is to some people, but everything used to be the Freemasons. Like at one point in conspiracy research and parapolitics and all of the stuff that we do here on The Secret Teachings, it used, everything used to be the Freemasons, you know? A mysterious monolith appears in Utah, probably the Freemasons. Which, by the way, did you see that that monolith was removed and then another one appeared in Romania? A uh, very, very similar, if not identical one. This one was 13 feet tall, made of a dark metal. Um, but it was covered in little scribbled circles. And it appeared next to the ancient remains of the Petrodava Dacian Fortress, a battlement believed to have been destroyed by the Romans in the 2nd century. So another monolith appeared in Romania. So normally, like, the way things used to go is that those monoliths were definitely placed there by either aliens or the Freemasons. And you, and you still see a lot of that today. It's just not as, it's not as prolific. I think people have lost interest in secret societies. They've lost interest in not just secret societies, but, like, secretive organizations. 
See, when I first began 10 years, 11 years ago, even if someone was more balanced and didn't believe everything was the, re- the responsibility of the Freemasonic order, usually what would happen is like you'd always get these names. So it would be like the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Royal Institute of International Affairs. You'd get like the, the, you know, the blame on David Rockefeller and Henry Kissinger, which these names are absolutely applicable to the conversation. But those were like the secretive organizations, the roundtable groups, and then you get like the Freemasons and you get Adam, a little Adam Weishaupt in there, the founder of the Bavarian Illuminati, 1776. Weishaupt joined the Freemasons in 1777 and uh, the goal was supposedly to infiltrate Freemasonry and to bring the doctrines of the Illuminati into the Freemasonic order. And some say that he was successful. Others say that it's all a myth. And it's kind of interesting because when you talk about the Illuminati, today everything is Illuminati. And I think the Illuminati as a secret society has really, really, really overtaken Freemasonry. It used to be Freemasonry, and it's kind of morphed into everything is now the Illuminati. Not that it wasn't 10, 11, 12 years ago, but it's really become Illuminati now. Like every halftime show of a Super Bowl is the Illuminati now. And it's kind of embarrassing because we've done Super Bowl shows for years and it's never been the Illuminati. It's been fertility rituals. It's like a spring fertility ritual. It's been some form of like um, uh, artificial intelligence invocation. It's been something like, you know, something coming down from the heavens and being invoked to earth, portals to hell opening up, uh, mock crucifixions of Christ on the golden cross. Like these are different archetypes and symbols and myths. And, and this is what you see at the halftime show of a Super Bowl. This is what you see, you know, with the Olympics, which we don't do a lot of Olympic shows because they only happen every so many years. But now everything is the Illuminati. Oh, did you see that Illuminati halftime show? Oh, did you see the Illuminati Olympics? Did you see the Illuminati television show? Like everything is Illuminati, Illuminati, Illuminati. So much so that any credible talk about an Illuminati, like the Bavarian Illuminati, and Adam Weishaupt is just sort of dismissed. It's sort of just forgotten about, and it's like it doesn't it doesn't exist. See, I I think the Illuminati is a concept. I I know that there are groups like I can start a Facebook group called the Illuminati, and then if you join it, you can say, "Hey, I'm in the Illuminati," which you you'd be right, you are in the Illuminati, but it's not the same Illuminati. And, and another reason I'm thinking about this is because. I got a little bit of nostalgia for it. I was looking through these old books, and I watched the James Bond movie, uh, Spectre. And remember, it's kind of towards the beginning of the movie where, where Bond goes to, I think he goes to Rome, and he goes to this meeting uh, in this big, like, chateau, villa, castle with all these all these fancy, expensive cars out front, and all these people are meeting to decide... Um, because this one guy had died, so they're going to decide who's going to replace him. And they're basically just trying to, they're having this conversation about how they, you know, with pharmaceuticals and migration and how much power they have over the world. And that's what a lot of people, in terms of like that movie Spectre, I think that's what a lot of people feel is really going on behind the scenes, this dark room with these men and women in suits, which I like in the movie. They were very politically correct. There was like a white woman in the movie. There was like a black uh, guy. So white people, black people, women, men, they can all join the Illuminati. It was very diverse. It was a very very politically correct Illuminati. 
if you watch James Bond Spectre. I don't know if the real Illuminati's like that. I'd imagine they probably are. Um, which reminds me also, you know, that Bill Hicks, he's like, I, you know, the president of the United States is selected. He's like, they take him into this smoke-filled room, and they play an angle of the Kennedy assassination that nobody's ever seen before. And then they roll the, the video thing up, and they say, all right, any questions? And the president says, well, who do we bomb first? <laughs> And that's, I think that's what a lot of people probably imagine, and maybe that is what happens, but I, I just have a hard time believing that, the, 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 that this is like how the world is run um, from, from the literal sense of like how you imagine these people to be in this room together with these dark suits. It's all, why does it have to be dark? Well, in a movie, it's dark because it shows you that that's the group of bad people, right? That's why it's dark. You know, unless it's like an eyes wide shut party and you're banging some like prostitute and it's kind of dim lighting, it's dark because that's showing you these are the bad guys. James Bond is kind of the good guy, right? So in real life, it's probably not a dark room, but some people literally believe that because they don't understand what archetypes are. They don't understand what symbolism is. They don't understand... What, what metaphor is or what analogy is. They don't understand what, what those reference points are. And that happens with Freemasonry and the Illuminati and things like this. And, I mean, I've, I've gotten flack. I think maybe la- like it was last year, I quoted my favorite author, Manly Palmer Hall, who was initiated into Freemasonry without going through the initiatory degrees. They, he just knew so much they initiated him. Um, Jordan Maxwell, our friend, actually knew Manly Hall, and um, I had asked Jordan why did they initiate him, and I said, is it because, I was joking, I I think I asked him on air, I said, is it because he knew more than they did, and Jordan kind of laughed, and he said something like, yeah, he knew way more than they did, and they were afraid of him, or they at least welcomed him to learn from him what was lost, generally speaking, to the Freemasonic order. So I, re- I, remember, I remember having that conversation with Jordan, but my, my, this thing I, I had talked about with Manly Hall was about how you can be a Freemason and not actually be a Freemason. Like you can be initiated into the order but not actually live that lifestyle, not actually be a Freemason, but then you can also be a Freemason without being a Freemason. And my view of Freemasonry was, was building a a better me, right? Constructing the temple of me. And each individual action and accomplishment is a brick in the construction of my individual temple. And when I better myself in those ways, I become a brick in the societal temple, building the unfinished pyramid, which remains unfinished, because we are always imperfect and can always be better. We're always reaching new heights and new points of achievement. So I, I said that in that regard, and I'll say it now, in that regard, I'm a Freemason. And I remember people used to say, oh, my God, he's a devil worshiper. He's a Freemason. And that always irritated me. Even when I was talking a lot about Freemasonry, I never thought Freemasons were devil worshipers. That's just some weird, like, hardcore Christian person who thinks because in Masonry, you basically can believe whatever you want to believe but you still have to believe in some divine power, which I find to be kind of contrary to what some people have claimed about Freemasons and devil worship. I mean, you could, I guess, be a devil worshiper if you believe in some. That's a lower power, though. 
But I guess the point is, uh, Freemasons believe in some form of higher power, and a lot of Freemasons are Christian, and I'm sure that there are, I mean, I don't know any any particular groups of Freemasonic people, but I know a lot of Freemasons, and uh, they come from a variety of backgrounds, This the fraternity as it is today. Um, when I had I interviewed Scott Walter from America on Earth, and we talked about the Venus families and the Kensington Runestone, we we talked a lot off air before we've done a couple shows together. And he said, he said, you should go get initiated. You, you've been, you know, a lot about this. And I went down there actually to the blue lodge in Boise, Idaho. And I got a tour of it and I looked around and they needed to have, cause Scott was going to sign my, my paper. And he said, no, you have to have someone locally that does it. And I just thought, you know, it's, it's just a bit too much. I don't have, I don't really have a lot of time for a fraternity. You know, I'm probably not going to want to eat <laughs> the food that they give me. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I didn't really want to join Freemasonry at that time. I mean, I did, but it was just too much. But even so, I don't have to be in the order to be a Freemason. And I consider myself a Freemason. I, I imagine that many of you are Freemasons in that light. And I don't mean to make light of it because there's, there's something sacred about the Freemasonic order and how, how old it is. I mean, just if you were thinking of, like, official Masonic history, uh, the, the the Grand Lodge of England goes back to the early 1700s, but Freemasonry, if you read, like, Alan Butler, Robert, I think it's Alan Butler, but you read um, the Hiram, no, it's uh, Lomas, Robert Lomas, uh, who wrote the Hiram Key. In fact, let's, du- let's double-check that, who wrote the Hiram Key, which is a really great book if you've never read it, uh, it's a lot about the origins of Freemasonry, and uh, they trace it basically back to Egypt and some of the initiatory practices they had for the pharaohs. Uh, Christopher Knight and Robert Lamas can't remember, can't believe I forgot those names. Christopher Knight and Robert Lamas they wrote the Hiram Key, and I think they wrote a secondary book on that. But in that book, they talk about the origins of Freemasonry. Um, one of the things I remember learning in that book was that uh, uh, the guy that was put on trial next to Jesus, remember, Barbarus. And Barbarus was, um, they say that his name translates essentially to something like Son of God. So when they let Jesus take the, 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 the crowd wanted Jesus to take the fall and they wanted this other criminal to go, they're making the argument that the names were basically switched in the story and that Jesus was actually set free and then they crucified this other person who took the place of Christ on the cross. Maybe that's blasphemous to some people. But I think that there, there was a legitimate story that played out with a character that we call Jesus. But they, they talk about it in the Hiram Key. And that the origins of Freemasonry goes back to Egypt and arguably even before. I mean, there were probably people practicing Freemasonry before Freemasonry became this organization. And it used to be, you know, a, a, an order of people, mostly, well, exclusively for the most part, men in this particular order... And they had secret handshakes and signs. And, you know, you didn't want anybody to step onto a building site because they were literal masons and they built these incredible structures. And so to come onto the building site and to do your work as a, as a mason with the skills that you have, you had to know the, the ways to get in. You had to know the handshakes and the signs. And there's, there's special, you know, in the initiatory rituals, there's special sorts of clothing that you wear and things that you do you know the the hoodwink and the cable toe and the rolled up pant leg and you can see over the over the centuries uh 
world leaders who have been photographed with their hand inside their coat, and people point out, well, that's a, that's a Masonic gesture. Uh, I mean, all this is very fascinating. It's interested me for like over a decade. Some of you probably a lot longer than, than that. And uh, I just wanted to talk about Freemasons tonight. I want to talk about secret societies tonight because secret societies are very much alive and well and at play today in the world. And we tend to forget about that because we're really focused on like QAnon. QAnon's really taken the place of conspiracies and secret societies today, hasn't it? I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, www.thesecretteachings.info. $40 for a one-year subscription and a physical book, and all of the digital books are holiday special at thesecretteachings.info. Stay with us. There's more after this right here on The Fringe FM. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out The Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's The Fringe FM. Every year around the holidays, we heavily discount our subscriptions and books here at The Secret Teachings. That means you can get a one-year subscription to our archive, which includes the Montage Archive and all of my digital books, the published and the unpublished ones. You will also get an autographed physical copy of your choice of one of my published books, either Food Philosophy, The Technological Elixir, or Occult Arcana, shipped free in the United States. All of this for the discounted price of $40 throughout the holiday season. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and donate via PayPal or use the email rdgable at yahoo.com. Come join us on The Secret Teachings where you'll learn things like the origin of the word holiday. It comes from the Old English holiday, meaning holy day. So celebrate the holy days with The Secret Teachings for yourself as a gift or for someone else www.thesecretteachings.info Alex Exum. My name is Alex Exum and you're listening to The Fringe FM. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Why listen to The Fringe FM? We are your number one source for talk radio the mainstream media won't touch. Joe Roop brings you everything occult with Lighting the Void. Ryan Gables shatters paradigms with esoteric knowledge on the secret teachings. Gigi and Cortana explore the inner workings of our reality with Shift Happens. Jess of the Rogue Report brings you years of research to explore the hidden facts behind alternative topics. And myself, Alex Exum of Live Talk, the so-called Joker in the deck. We are the Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash the secret teachings.
This is Kev Baker of the Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. Broadcasting somewhere between that which is above and that which is below, it's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. It's time you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Secret societies are a great source for conspiracy theories and Hollywood blockbusters. Legends add to the mystique. Every year, the world's largest CEOs, political figures, financial leaders, and other very important people hold a secret gathering known as the Bilderberg Meeting or Group. Skull and Bones was started in 1832 when people were starting to become suspicious of organizations like the Freemasons. They become the head of different commissions in the government. They become CEOs. They become big partners of law firms. You know, you're dealing with some pretty heavy people, and because you're a club member, you have direct access to them. So what is Freemasonry? Simply put, it's the world's oldest and largest fraternity. It's membership a who's who of world history. George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Winston Churchill, Mozart, Davy Crockett, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Houdini, Gerald Ford, Henry Ford, John Wayne, even Colonel Sanders. At one time, Christianity was a secret society to avoid Roman persecution. The Mafia is a secret society. Our membership has its pleasures, its hardships, and sometimes its pain. It's a war for control. The control of your mind and your body. Americans are traditionally independent. Very hard to control, but the architects of the new world order have ways to force you into submission. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. Five nights a week, Monday through Friday, you can catch us right here on The Fringe. You can also check out our archive at thesecretteachings.info. So if you go back into the history of Freemasonry, maybe you know about the origins of Freemasonry, or you know the story about Hiram Abiff. The story of Freemasonry and Masonic ideas and principles goes back thousands of years. We're not actually sure where Freemasonry began. Of course, historians will tell you that Freemasonry really didn't become solidified until the early 1700s with the Grand Lodge of England. Others like Christopher Knight, Robert Lamas, and the Hiram Key and other authors write about how Freemasonry dates back to the time of Egypt and perhaps even before. 
But we know that Freemasonry goes back a really, really long time. And there are connections to the Knights Templar, the Bavarian Illuminati founded by Adam Weishaupt. There are similar, because Adam Weishaupt was German, the Bavarian Illuminati, and Skull and Bones at Yale University, the secret society, you know, like George Bush and others were in, or are in. Skull and Bones has very similar Germanic uh, themes that the Bavarian Illuminati kind of shares. So Skull and Bones is sort of connected, the Priory of Sion, all these secret societies that are very similar to the Masons, and, and many of them are similar because it, they're secret societies. They have secret code words and handshakes and symbols that mean certain things to the initiates and perhaps are even meant to mean something to the people that are on the outside, something a little you know different to... I've always called them, when I use symbols, I, I call them like scare profane. The profane is a word that means people that just aren't initiated, right? Um, the vulgar. People that aren't initiated, people that don't understand the sacred divine principles of nature and God, etc. So it's not a derogatory thing, but they're like the profane. I call them scare profane because they scare people. Like Baphomet scares people that people think it's evil. Other people have the opposite effect. They're drawn to the darkness, which is not necessarily a bad thing either because through the darkness of those types of symbols, they can also be drawn to the light because that's what the symbol is intended to represent. And those who are afraid of them and don't go anywhere near them, then they're also not ready to be initiated into the mysteries. At least this is the argument of authors like Manley Hall and others that use the, the symbol that might be frightening to some as a symbol to either ward off those who aren't ready for the knowledge and the information or to bring those in who are attracted to the darkness and they will be brought to the light as a result of that. At least that's the philosophy of it. So the foundation of masonry is very, very old. And some of you probably heard the the story. It's it's partly a myth and partly not a myth. So it's it's kind of real. It's kinda of, kinda of like the story of Jesus, right? Or Yeshua, Joshua. Like part of it's real, part of it's not, some of it's analogy, little metaphor, little parable, little symbolism, little myth, little a little bit of everything mixed in. But the foundation of masonry goes back to the story of the building of King Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. And remember, it's the Temple Mount where the Knights Templar, they are Knights of the Templar, Temple, Knights Templar went and began their excavation where they supposedly found, as a result of following the Copper Scroll, they found something that gave them immense power over the Catholic Church some say they found the part of the cross that Jesus was crucified on. Some say that they found ancient scrolls that gave them this incredible knowledge. They clearly found something that the church wanted to keep hidden or that at the very least, and maybe as a result of, of the power of this information, the church wanted to preserve it or they wanted to destroy it altogether. But whatever the Templars found, the story is. And I remember, you know, this is a nostalgic subject for me because when I first did radio, this is what we talked about. And I remember like people like Jim Mars would be on TV and he was telling the story. You know, these guys, they went to Rome and within a matter of, you know, days, they, get, they were granted all this power by the Pope and they could do whatever they wanted and they were exempt from 
paying fees and exempt from lodging and exempt from everything. Like they had all this power and then they became too powerful and then they were purged. And so they went to places like Portugal and they went to places like Scotland where they formed the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry and they actually helped the Scots win independence from the English. So at least the story goes and they turned Portugal into this big, big shipping uh, hub. Um, they became, Portugal was like the center of navigation on the globe for some time because the Templars went there. And so you get this, this, this theme with the Templars that they were, they were experts in a lot of things. They were experts in navigation and shipbuilding. Uh, they were experts in, in, in mapping. They knew things that gave them immense power over arguably one of the most powerful institution that's ever existed in the history of the world and still exists today. And that is the the Vatican. It gave them immense power over the Vatican uh, until, you know, kings and the Pope came after them because they had too much power and too much money. And they became a more direct threat to the worldly power of those institutions. So they were excommunicated and went to places like Scotland and Portugal. So the Knights Templar, they're very connected with Freemasons. Many of the Templar were Freemasons, but Freemasonry goes back to the building of Solomon's Temple. As I get off on this little side note, Solomon's Temple, Knights Templar, there's the story. So Solomon's Temple is being built, and this character name, uh, Hiram Abiff, and Hiram Abiff is spelled in many different ways. I used to say Chiram Abiff because it was spelled C-H-I-R-A-M, um, which I think is uh, one of the, it's the Chaldean name for Hiram Abiff. And so there's been discussion about whether or not Hiram Abiff was a real person. Hiram uh, means the son of a widow. Or if Hiram is just a story. Um, there were other, you know, uh, Hirams. Uh, king David had a friend, the king of Tyre, who was also known as Hiram. And uh, he sent uh, acknowledgments to the king when he knew that when he heard that David's son was on the throne uh, and he was king. So they were there was a mutual connection between um, King David and the king of Tyre, and he was also known as Hiram. So some people argue that Hiram helped to build Solomon's temple. Uh, the worker known as Hiram Abiff was supposedly a grandmaster architect, and um, he was sent by the king of Tyre to begin construction on Solomon's temple. So there really was a Hiram, whether he was Hiram Abiff or whether the stories kind of get meshed together, much like people like Christopher Knight and Robert Lamas argue in Hiram uh, in the Hiram Key, where they talk about how there was a Jesus and then there was a Barabbas, and that the names kind of were mixed up, and that the real Jesus perhaps was let go, and then they crucified Barabbas, the son of God, or Hiram, the son of a widow. And Mary would very much be the widow, and Hiram plays the part of the son, as in Solomon, three different ways to say the son, Sol, Om, Om, An, Solomon. So there's a connection to the son there, which is a powerful figure, the solar figure, the solar, solar father. And Hiram is the son of a widow. So Hiram plays the part of the, of the savior, of he who is sacrificed. And Hiram is sacrificed in the story of the building of the temple. So they designed this temple. 
and they go to build this this beautiful uh, temple, Solomon's temple. And when they have the Freemasons come, the people that essentially are Freemasons, maybe not all of them were, we don't know for sure, but when they built this temple, they had people that would come, and just like anything else that was built, they would have handshakes and secret sayings that would give them access, pass codes, to get into the work site to build the the temple in this case. And so the ranks, not they didn't just represent who had what authority, but they symbolized different levels of understanding, spiritual progression, and self-refinement. Um, the temple itself was not a giant structure, kind of like Roslyn Chapel. You know, it might look big, but it's really small. Uh, the temple walls were about nine cubits, 13 feet, six inches thick, which is pretty big, but it's also a big, it's a temple. Um, and the interior was only about 90 feet long and 30 feet wide, according to Christopher Knight and Robert Lamas in the Hiram Key. And Solomon's temple supposedly had this grand staircase, which represented a journey that must be taken. It represents, in a sense, the Kundalini or the Tree of Life from Malkuth to Kether. And it represents the unwinding of experience. It represents a lot of different things. Uh, Manly Hall describes the staircase as such. He says, quote, Man is climbing an endless flight of steps with his eyes fixed upon the goal at the top. Many cannot see the goal and only one or two steps are visible before them. He has learned, however, one great lesson, namely that as he builds his own character, he is given strength to climb the steps. Hence, a mason is a builder of the temple of charter character. He is the architect of a sublime mystery, the gleaming, glowing temple of his own soul. Really can't beat how Manley Hall writes, but that's essentially what makes a Freemason, someone who builds their character, and each action taken is an individual brick in the construction of that temple of, as Hall said, his own soul. And those that are doing this, those that are in a secret society like the Freemasons, then become individual bricks. Uh, Freemasonry has, of course, lost much of its origin for the, the average person who's a Freemason, uh, but I'm sure somewhere some person knows about the origins more directly outside of just some authors who investigated, some researchers and journalists and radio hosts. But but the origin, lost or otherwise, today it's still preserved in, in the outward expression of, of brotherly of brotherly love and community and helping others and being there for others. Like I remember um, I had um, I had taken a film class when I first began radio. I was taking film, I was in film school and there was a girl in my class who's, I, I didn't have a lot of friends and I wasn't friends with her, but her dad was a Freemason and I was so excited to talk about this stuff all the time. Like I did radio on the weekend, but I wanted to talk about this Monday through Friday too. So I talked to anybody who would listen about Freemasons and secret societies and things like that. And this girl one time, she took me into private and she told me a bunch of stuff about her dad. And she was young. I mean, we were both really young. She was like 18. I was like 19. So we were very young. But she told me all this stuff and she knew a lot. She probably at the time knew more than I did. And it was because her dad was a Freemason and told her all this stuff. Um, and she told me this story. She's like, just... Just the, 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 the standard, like, you go down to the lodge and you're initiated. She's like, they, they take care of you. All I, she's like, all I had to do when I moved here, she said, I was struggling for money at first. 
And so I called the local lodge and I told them, you know, who my dad was. They looked it up. They got back to me. She said, the lodge just came. They bought me like a washer and dryer. They set up my whole apartment and it was just, it's community. They take care of each other. Um, and that's not a bad thing, but some people kind of associate that with like the mob and crime and no, they just take care of each other. That's not a negative thing. But when you build a community based on those principles, then it becomes a temple like the soul and hopefully it helps to illuminate others. So temples and rituals and, and, and symbols, these are, these are meant to signify, to, 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 to represent, to symbolize other things. Uh, the outward temple is the inward temple and vice versa. As above, so below. And the winding staircase or the staircase itself uh, in Solomon's temple as was described by many people, some say there isn't, there wasn't even a staircase. But if if there were, a, if there were a staircase, there it would be kind of like Jacob's ladder, right? And each of the rungs, of the ladder, is representative of the different stages of life, and those different stages are like the different levels of initiation, the different ranks, and the different understandings of spiritual progression and self refinement and and things like that. Uh, Manly Hall in the secret teachings of all ages, describes the temple as such. He says, quote, In the midst of the temple stood the Holy of Holies, sometimes called the Oracle. It was an exact cube, each dimension being 20 cubits and exemplified the influence of Egyptian symbolism. See, that's interesting because that's where some authors and some researchers trace back the, the history of Masonry to Egypt and to the initiatory rites of Egypt, which means they probably go back further because the Egyptians didn't just spring up and were like, let's create one of the most incredibly complex but simple to understand but very secretive initiation processes that the world will, that the world will ever see. And then they just like, okay, let's write that down. Uh, Hall continues, according to the tradition, the various buildings and courtyards could hold in all 300,000 persons. So this was a the courtyards and the various buildings that accompanied the temple were were vast. The temple itself was like 90 feet long, 30 feet across. It wasn't that large, but it would have been, you know, 90 feet long, 30 feet across. Uh, that would be very much like, you know, Roslyn Chapel. It would be very much like uh, um, a cross. But there are so many different interpretations of this. So some people say, you know, whatever. It could be a circle. It doesn't matter. The, the, the symbolism is what's important and, and the origins of Freemasonry and where a lot of these secret societies um, came from. Uh, Hall says both the sanctuary and the Holy of Holies were entirely lined with solid gold plates and crusted with jewels. So there is the cube. And if you go into the description of the cube and the references to Saturn and the references to Christianity and Judaism and all these things, there's a significant connection between what that cube represents, which is ultimately the physical world, the structure of the temple is the body, and the Holy of Holies is the soul. The physical body is the body, and then our soul is our soul, the center. So Hiram Abiff, they go to build this temple, and the story goes that he set up the workers into three separate groups. Um, they were called the interdependences, the fellow craftsmen, or the fellow craft, and then the master masons. And these are what are referred to today as the Blue Lodges or the Blue Degrees in the Blue Lodges of Freemasonry. Um, and most Freemasons do not, like a mass majority of them, do not make it past the Master Mason degree. You'd think Master Mason, that's the top degree. 
Well, for the Blue Lodges it is, and for the average Mason it is, but a lot of Masons go, um, a, a smaller number of Masons, I should say, go beyond the Blue Degrees. Um, there are also three levels of initiation in the priest class of the Druids, too. You can read about that if you're interested in the story of the Druids, which are very powerful magicians, priests, um, and this is where we get the idea of Hollywood from. They used to make their wands out of Hollywood to cast illusions, which is where we get Hollywood, the silver screen, the silver storms conjured up by the Druidic priests and, and whatnot. So you have these different degrees. Hiram Abiff divided his workers into these degrees, gives out passwords and specific signs for each level, just like you'd have a passcode if you worked in some facility today and there were different levels of people in the know and what you were building or what you were working on, like a corporation. So... Eventually, three fellow craftsmen grew tired of their position. They became really eager to force Hiram Abiff to reveal the codes and the secrets of the master degree. So they were trying to get ahead. That's the moral of the story. Get ahead without doing the work, which is very rampant today in our culture and other cultures around the world. It's a largely a byproduct of social media and instant gratification and so a lot of people are very much like these three fellow craftsmen, the three Rufians, the three criminals that forced Hiram Abiff to reveal the codes and the secrets of the master degree. So Jubella, Jubello, and Jubellum went to the unfinished Sanctum Sanctorum where Hiram Abiff liked to pray at noon. So more sun symbolism. The sun is there in the Holy of Holies at the height of the sky at noon. So around the time when President Kennedy, King Arthur, Camelot, was killed in Texas. So the three Rufians, um, people that are involved in a crime, uh, this is the old word that they use in writings, uh, they waited for each of the gates of the temple, each of the different gates of the temple, for Hiram Abiff to finish praying. As Hiram Abiff was about to leave, he headed towards the south gate where he was confronted by Jubella, who had a 24-inch gauge. When Hiram refused to reveal the password of the Master Mason, Jubella struck him with the ruler across the throat. So he cuts his throat. He's bleeding now. So Hiram then attempts to leave through the West Gate, where Jubello, holding a square, asked the same question. What is the information I need to become a Master Mason? When Hiram refused again, Jubello struck him in the chest, with the square, so the ruler, a straight life, the square, keeping things in order. And then most of you know the third item. So this was repeated again at the east gate, where Jubellum struck the grandmaster between the eyes with a mallet, the hammer. In that moment, Hiram Abiff fell to the floor dead, the story goes, and the three criminals fled to Ethiopia after burying the body. Now they were eventually found, admitted to their crimes, and were executed. Hearing of the terrible crime, King Solomon sent out parties of three people, or parties of three individuals, but different parties, to find the body of the Grand Master. Some stories say that Masons at the time were wearing white gloves to signify their purity and how they had not committed the crime themselves. But white gloves mean a lot of different things. Even Mickey Mouse wears white gloves. That's probably because Walt Disney was a 33rd degree Mason and they have that Masonic club at Disney World as well, uh, the um, is it the 33 Club or something like that. So this is um, an allegory. Uh, it's a myth. 
It's metaphor. It's parable. It teaches you something. There's a moral to the story, and it has various meanings and interpretations. So the murderers themselves represent impure emotion, thought, and action. And if they're left abandoned, they will forcibly collapse the temple. And, and, and these tools, uh, emotion, thought, and action, can be constructive or destructive. Uh, they're just like any other tool, like a hammer or a bomb. A bomb could be constructive in a sense, like it paves the way for the construction of a building. Not that they're using bombs, but dynamite or something, right? Uh, which is actually how, in East Jerusalem, in like the 80s, they were using little explosives, and they blew up part of this um, uh, uh, this, this rock. They were building apartment buildings, and they found the Talpiat tomb, which never gets discussed. The Talpiat tomb is very, very old, and it basically is the ossuary of Jesus Christ, the physical man. You never heard of that before? Yeah, that's something you should maybe take a look at, the Talpiat tomb. It's incredible. Uh, th- that's where they also found the hooked X. Uh, we talked to Scott Walter about that, and they also found in that tomb, which had been opened, they found these leg bones, these thigh bones, and a skull in the middle. So the skull and crossbones, a symbol of the Templars they used on their flags and where they were raiding uh, British ships. And this became the symbol of not merely death and poison, but it became the symbol of pirates, pirates of the Caribbean, and partly a symbol of death because the Templars were pretty much unmatched in battle, and they represented walking grim reapers. They were death. A very small number of Templars could wipe out a very large number of, of soldiers, at least as the stories go. So they became synonymous with death, with poison, the skull and crossbones. So it's not necessarily an evil thing because if you are a Knights Templar, if you are a Freemason, if you use this symbol, then you are death. But they use those symbols in Freemasonry to remind them that death is around the corner, that death can come at any time. It's not to worship death. It's to remember that I am vulnerable, I am human, and I should do my best while I'm alive before I succumb to the inevitable. So, they, yeah, they use skulls at tables or they have skeletons, and these aren't necessarily evil things. They are just representations of the fragility of life. The three tools, the three weapons that were used to murder Hiram Abiff are used in Freemasonry today, the square and compass. That's part of the Masonic crest, along with the uppercase G, denoting neither God or grand architect. According to Manley Hall, the three murderers represented perverted thought, uncurbed emotions, and destructive actions. He says, quote, These three murderers slay the spirit of man and bring down the temple of creation in ruins about their own heads. End quote. And in this way, it is said that Solomon um, could control demons, which are not necessarily literal demons, but they represent human attributes, emotions, thoughts, and actions. And by conquering these and being in control of them, you become the master mason. Wisdom is not bestowed upon you. Wisdom is achieved. And that's why you take an oath in the mysteries to never reveal the secrets because there are those who will use and abuse them and those who will unintentionally destroy others and themselves with this information. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, www.thesecretteachings.info. $40 right now for a one-year subscription, a physical book with free shipping in the United States. You pick the book, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, or The Technological Elixir. And you also get access to all the digital books, including my original books, 
that I wrote like 11 years ago, which are not published, but they're on the website too. rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere right here on the Fringe FM. Hello, this is Mark Booth, author of The Secret History of the World and The Sacred History, and you've been listening to The Secret Teachings. This is Robert W. Sullivan IV, author of The Royal Arch of Enoch and Cinema Symbolism, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Why listen to the Fringe FM? We are your number one source for talk radio the mainstream media won't touch. Joe Root brings you everything occult with Lighting the Void. Ryan Gables shatters paradigms with esoteric knowledge on the secret teachings. Gigi and Cortana explore the inner workings of our reality with Shift Happens. Jess of the Rogue Report brings you years of research to explore the hidden facts behind alternative topics. And myself, Alex Exum of Live Talk, the so-called Joker in the deck. We are the Fringe FM. This is Jess Rogie from the Rogie Report News, and I literally sift through hundreds of articles a week to bring you the best in Fringe News. Check out the Rogie Report News here on the Fringe FM. You can't handle the truth! Every year around the holidays, we heavily discount our subscriptions and books here at The Secret Teachings. That means you can get a one-year subscription to our archive, which includes the Montage Archive and all of my digital books, the published and the unpublished ones. 
you will also get an autographed physical copy of your choice of one of my published books, either Food Philosophy, The Technological Elixir, or Occult Arcana, shipped free in the United States. All of this for the discounted price of $40 throughout the holiday season. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and donate via PayPal or use the email rdgable at yahoo.com. Come join us on The Secret Teachings where you'll learn things like the origin of the word holiday. It comes from the Old English holiday, meaning holy day. So celebrate the holy days with The Secret Teachings for yourself as a gift or for someone else. www.thesecretteachings.info Hi, this is Dave Cruz of Beyond the Strange, and you're listening to Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings right here on The Fringe FM. Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination. Where happiness is an illusion. Here, where the past, present, and future all coexist on the same timeline. Welcome to a future where our true reflection is only revealed once the screen goes dark. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. Broadcasting somewhere between that which is above and that which is below. It's KTLK Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Secret societies are a great source for conspiracy theories and Hollywood blockbusters. Legends add to the mystique. Every year, the world's largest CEOs, political figures, financial leaders, and other very important people hold a secret gathering known as the Bilderberg Meeting or Group. Skull and Bones was started in 1832 when people were starting to become suspicious of organizations like the Freemasons. They become the head of different commissions in the government. They become CEOs. They become big partners of law firms. You know, you're dealing with some pretty heavy people, and because you're a club member, you have direct access to them. So what is Freemasonry? Simply put, it's the world's oldest and largest fraternity. It's membership a who's who of world history. George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Winston Churchill, Mozart, Davy Crockett, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Houdini, Gerald Ford, Henry Ford, John Wayne, even Colonel Sanders. At one time, Christianity was a secret society to avoid Roman persecution. The Mafia is a secret society. Our membership has its pleasures, its hardships, and sometimes its pain. It's a war for control. The control of your mind and your body. Americans are traditionally independent. Very hard to control. But the architects of the new world order have ways to force you into submission. Illuminati. Secret society. Illuminati. The checkered floor. This is reflective of darkness and light. And that is in life. A person is constantly going through dark period and light period. This is the nature of the world in which we live. What happened before the Big Bang? The church, of course, saw scientists as a great threat. Illuminati. New world order. Secret government within our government. 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 Man is not created by God as per the Genesis story. Instead, man is creating God in his brain. Brain. Magic. Astrology. Magic. 
The Earth was colonized by extraterrestrial. New world order. New world order. Secret government within our government. Skull and bones, man. New world order. Good and evil. Yale University's Skull and Bones Club. Good and evil. Angel, angels and demons. Heaven and hell are not really parallel concepts that God raises the just to life and those who die in their sins simply cease to exist. The great fall of Satan, the serpent, the deceiver of the whole world. Global warfare. God-fearing people, Satan, an angel of God. The Satan belongs to God's inner circle of angels. He is an adversary of human beings, not God. Satan, Satan, nowhere in the Bible is considered an enemy of God. God, God. From the beginning of recorded history, what happens when we die has haunted men's minds. I'm Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. When I first began radio, and I think in the meantime, as I reminisce about 10 years ago being in a college radio station and talking about conspiracies and secret societies, in the meantime, I kind of lost track of the development of social media and the internet. And the last 20 years, these things have really revolutionized the world in a way that most of us could never imagine. And the technologies that we'll see tomorrow, technologies that we'll see next year and the year after, are in development for a much longer amount of time. And these technologies, and whatever it is that they might be, they could be weapon systems, they could be digital technologies, communications, things like that, They've revolutionized not only the world, but they've revolutionized, and it might not be a good revolution, they've revolutionized or de-evolutionized, I should say, de-evolutionized the thinking patterns and the behavior of those that use them. Have you tuned in tonight and thought, isn't this a show tonight on secret societies? Well, it is, but hear me out. Secret societies, conspiracies... Before the internet and before you had the proliferation of talk radio through podcast forum, which is a different thing than radio, but it's a similar thing, you didn't have the access to as much information on the subject. So in the 80s or in the 90s, if somebody was going to find information out about you know, Bohemian Grove, you know, the early 2000s and 1990s, you had to do an Alex Jones, right? You had to sneak into the grove and film it. Even if there were pictures of the 40-foot stone owl, 40-foot tall stone owl, you had to, you know, share them maybe physically. You'd have to find them with what at the, at the time was, you know, the beginning of the Internet as we know it today. But today in 2020, 2021, you can just type in anything, Freemasons, Skull and Bones, Knights Templar. You can type in whatever, and you'll find all this information. And some of it's okay, some of it's like accurate, and some of it's speculative. And this is the, uh, the, the benefit and the downside, sort of a downside. It's not entirely a downside of 
information that is available on the internet and how much information is available at all times of the day and night and how you can always access it. So if you go to the internet, though, and you find these these things that aren't necessarily true because you've cross-referenced the material, you've looked at sources, and you just hear these claims that are untrue, like all Freemasons worship the devil. Well, that's just not true. I'm a Freemason. I don't worship the devil. And then people will say, well, look, he admitted he's a Freemason. He admitted he's a devil worshiper. It's a code word. No, it's not a code word. You just don't know what you're talking about. But that's what you would see on the Internet, and it would act, and it does act in a similar way to certain symbols that have been used by secret societies to prevent people that are not ready for the information and that are not deserving of it, perhaps to some degree, from accessing it because it could destroy themselves and it could destroy others. As Manley Hall wrote, the three murderers of Hiram Abiff, which represented perverted thought, uncurbed emotions, and destructive actions, they slayed the spirit of man and brought down the temple of creation in ruins about their own heads. And this is why they said Solomon could control demons because he was controlling those human attributes, the emotions, the thoughts, the actions. Controlling those gives you power over those demonic forces, over those energies. And you can look at demons in a, a different way, but, but that's um, one of the foundational uh, understandings of what demonic control is. It, it's your own demons. It's yourself. You are the individual temple in the societal and the larger giant temple. And the, the temple of Solomon, like all temples, it's a physical structure. It's the body and then the soul, the energy, it's inside of that, of that structure. So technology has allowed us to look out into the vast digital space. Some parts of it are like a wasteland and we look out into that space and we go hunting for information and we find certain things that we just know are inaccurate. And so we avoid them and we continue to search for what we believe is more accurate. And so it could be a downside of the information age and technology, but it's all, I think it's beneficial because those who have the ability to discern, they can control their emotions, they can control their actions, and they can control their thoughts, are able to move through all the inaccurate information and they can find what is closer to the divine truth. So in that way, technology is a really great thing. But technology is also allowed for the proliferation of information that has profaned and degraded sacred concepts and sacred ideas. It's also allowed for the preservation of those things. Now, for someone like myself, it's always it's irritated me a little bit that you have obvious falsehoods that are spread across the Internet by people who do not have their emotions or their actions or their thoughts under control. So that's why you get the stories of how everything is Freemasonry. <clears throat> everything is the Rothschilds. Everything is, you know, the secret society. And we've moved away from that to some degree. And we've moved into a, a new reality with secret societies. 
Freemasonry as the sole responsible party for all things that are evil has kind of been replaced by weaponized ideology today, and it's been replaced in part by an a contrary secret society. So for some who believe Freemasons controlled the world and had all this secret information, now it's changed. And I think it's changed because there's been a shift in human consciousness, and it's not necessarily a good shift for some. It's went from the Freemasons are evil and controlling everything, let's expose them, to a different kind of expose. Now it's like QAnon has all this secret information and is trying to bring down the evil people. And I can't imagine, I've never looked this up to see if it's a thing, and I intentionally did not because it, I just it's too much. I don't want to deal with it. But I imagine somewhere on the internet, on Reddit, you probably find a, a, a number of, what do they call them, threads or posts. or You find, I'm sure, all of the internet that there's some like connection between Q and Freemasons and Q's trying to bring down not only the deep state, but the deep state is made up of Freemasons. And really, the, the deep state has taken the place of Masonry today. The deep state now is the new Illuminati. And if you don't fully understand what I mean by that, to simplify it, like when I first began radio 11 years ago, everything was Freemasonry, everything was the Illuminati. And although these things are still brought up today, oh, that was an Illuminati halftime show at the Super Bowl. Now everything is the deep state, the deep state, the deep state. And we kind of forget about the classics. Like, do you remember when George Bush Jr. ran for president and he was talking with John Kerry and they were both, uh, you know, they had both been interviewed by mainstream news and there was that famous clip about, you know, uh, about the, the 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 open society, or well, it's a really a closed society, but the open society to some of skull and crossbones. Remember, and they're asking George Bush, like, don't you think that like would bother people that you're in the same secret society and that you're both running for president? And George Bush just makes a. It was clearly a softball question, a joke, but they are in the skull and crossbones, and we just kind of forgot about that. Remember what happened to skull and crossbones? Come on, what happened? Come on, man. What happened to Skull and Crossbones? That used to be all the rage. Now there's no more Skull and Crossbones. And now it's like if you bring it up again, oh, that's an interesting topic. 322, Skull and Crossbones, the dungeon, the revealing of sexual desires with a wire wrapped to your genitals in a coffin. <laughs> you know, these are all the things that Skull and Crossbones did. They had the, the skeletons to remind them of death. They had a lot of Germanic symbolism, those people that have been in the uh, the tomb of the skull and bones, and at Yale University, um, there is an equivalent at Harvard called Scroll and Key or Wolf's Head. There's a wolf. There's Wolf's Head. There's Scroll and Key. Um, uh, the most famous though is of course Skull and Crossbones. George Bush's father was Skull and Crossbones. They actually stole the bones of Geronimo and took them um, as part of like an initiatory ritual. Uh, into the Skull and Crossbones order. They took them to the university. It's a very strange, weird history. Like, these are presidents doing this? <laughs> these are world leaders doing this? You know, it, it's like the UK prime minister when he stuck his penis in a pig. And then there's that Black Mirror episode where the guy's having sex with the pig 
And everybody's like, no, that's Black Mirror. Let's see if we can find that. Uh, it, was, it was David Cameron pig sex. You type that in. Yeah, it still comes up. They called it pig gate, where David can't. David Cameron had, what did he say? had sexual relations with a pig. Um, they say it's a, a conspiracy theory that David Cameron had sex with a pig. Well, that's the story anyway. But that's where they got the idea for Black Mirror from. Sex with a pig. They call it, they call it pig gate. I thought that I thought that was so funny when I first said that to somebody, and they're like, "No, you mean the Black Mirror episode?" It's like, "No, I mean the the one where David Cameron stuck his penis in a pig." <laughs> it's it's it was a it was a mainstream news story. It was a real story. It's crazy. Anyway, I'm very very much digressing. Uh, secret societies, secret orders. We did a show somewhat recently called "Birth of a United Nations." Yes, it was named after birth of a nation, birth of a United Nations. We talked about the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations. We talked about, uh, you know, things like, I think I briefly mentioned Bohemian Grove. There's the Bilderberg Group. There are all these secret societies that are more politically driven, that are more um, about geopolitics, world affairs. You have the classic Bilderberg Group, which is very much out in the open now. Uh, we There are lists of people that attend them, or sometimes the lists are leaked. Journalists and authors cover it, so it's much more well-known. A lot of people don't know about the Council on Foreign Relations, which I think is where Carol Quigley got a lot of his information to write Tragedy and Hope. There are um, branches of these secret groups that go back over 100 years to the roundtables of Cecil Rhodes and the Rothschilds and the owning of the the, the uh, diamond uh, uh, the, the diamond syndicate, uh, which the Rothschild family I think owns like eighty percent of all all the diamonds in the world or something like just little interesting pieces of information. But going back further than these political groups, um, I mean even the CIA in large part, is a secret society. I mean, the NSA is a secret society. I mean, hell, the DOE is a secret society. Nobody knows what goes on at the DOE, the Department of Energy. They run more programs than any other government agency. They're working in multiple dimensions. There's, It's like it's a very in, insane history of the Department of Energy. They're a secret society. They have secret codes, and they're, you know, businesses have secret codes, and you can't go into certain places if you're not you know, a manager, or you can't go into certain places if you're not in the higher-ups of the of the corporation. or you, you, It's just that's the structure, that's the hierarchy of anything. But that's the below of the above. There's a hierarchy in the heavens as well. And all this is reduced down to the foundational story of masonry and Hiram Abiff and the building of the temple and Jubella, Jubello, and Jubellum, the murderers, killing Hiram Abiff at the different exits of the temple after Hiram Abiff had gone to pray. And the story is that these three murderers wanted to acquire the code, the pass codes, the information of the master degree of Freemasonry. They were fellow craft before as the entered apprentice, fellow craft and master mason, 
and they didn't want to do the work to obtain them. So they go and they kill the Grand Master, but they ask him the question. They waited till he finished praying and in the temple, and then they set themselves up at each of the gates in the temple. And as he headed towards the south gate, Jubella asked for the information, and he refused, so he took a 24-inch gauge and cut Hiram Abiff across the throat, hit him with that ruler across the throat. Hiram then tried to leave through the west gate, where Jubello, holding a square, asked the same question. Hiram Abiff refused again. Jubello struck him in the chest with the square. So Hiram Abiff is not doing too good. And then he goes to the east gate, and Jubello struck him again between the eyes with a mallet after he refused to give him the information. So Hiram Abiff there lays dead on the floor. It's the fall of the sun from noon where he's praying, and then he falls, and he's dead. And so they found the three criminals. They they executed them, as the story goes. They killed them um, when... People were sent out to find Hiram Abiff, to find the body where the people buried the three guys, the three criminals buried the body. Um, the stories vary, but they some say they wore these white gloves to signify that they were pure and they didn't commit any crime. And that's very similar to you know Mickey Mouse. Somehow Mickey Mouse is involved because Mickey Mouse wears white gloves, and his daddy Walt Disney was a thirty third degree Mason. So uh, you also you know have the Masonic rooms at Disney World. Remember those Masonic rooms? We used to talk about those before. I mean, you can go to you can go to Washington if if it was open, and you could see uh, George Washington's Masonic apron there. And and see, that's where people start to say, well, the whole founding of the United States, and this is all Masons, and it was all evil, or it was all Masons, and it was all good. And I don't think the Masons are really good or evil. I just think that they're a fraternity. And I think that there's um, a very significant importance of this fraternity that goes back thousands of years, arguably, perhaps even more. And I think that um, at least the principles, the ideas, the ideologies do. And I think that there are many other secret societies that maybe don't go back as far, but they have um, a little bit in their preservation of what of what the uh, the Masons preserve uh, in, in their system of beliefs. Um, so, I mean, even if you look at the the story of Hiram Abiff and how it's kind of true, kind of not true, there was the, the king of Tyree that was, he was also named Hiram, and he was he sent some workers to work on the Temple of Solomon. So Hiram built the temple. Hiram, you know, was in charge. He sent resources to construct that temple. That's That's real, but how much of the Hiram Abiff story is real, it, it, it's, it's putting a second historical coat of paint, if you will, over a story that's already there, and then you just add to it, and then you you turn it into a myth that has this meaning. And one of the meanings is you don't obtain something because somebody gives it to you of such importance like wisdom. You have to obtain it through hard work, and then you're initiated as a, as a master mason. And so when Hiram Abiff was finally struck on the head, this also freed him, right? Strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can ever imagine. You know, Star Wars, well, Hiram Abiff was struck down, and then he becomes very powerful, becomes this mythic figure. He becomes this Masonic father, 
The Father is struck down. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, high noon, the collapse of the Son, then the rebirth of the Son at the East Gate. That's where the Son rises. And so Hiram Abiff struck down at the East Gate with the mallet, with the hammer. He's struck down. He's killed on this cross, essentially. The temple is built like a cross, 90 feet long, 30 feet across. I mean, I'm not sure if it's at exact you know, places, but it's very similar to how Roslyn Chapel, I think. It's like a cross, but it's a tomb, essentially, like skull and crossbones. And the cross is a tomb. The cross is a tomb of the body, the corners of the cross, the four corners, the four elements, the four elementals, the four uh, um, horses of the apocalypse. So it's a tomb. So they kill Hiram Abiff in the physical tomb. They kill his physical body, hitting him on the head with a hammer, with a mallet. And then he rises, the soul, the spirit, rises from the body. He is risen again, and he rises with the morning sun out of the east. And this is how initiation rituals are still performed today. In the temple, in the tomb, they are killed, and then they are reborn again, going through the whole mythos of Jesus. And there were... Traditions in Egypt, traditions in South America, where the Egyptians would strike the corpse on the head, crack the skull, and and they called it um, not like trepifanning. It's more like to open the mouth is what they were doing. And by cracking the skull, they would release the soul into the heavens to become a star. Um, in order to hasten the process, they used a cutting tool called a passion kiff, which was used to open the mouth of the physical body, and then a sacrificial knife was used to strike a hard blow to the body of the victim, which was thought to free their soul and allow it to ascend directly into heaven. And that was that was a that was a practice in uh, Mayan, um, and I've read about other uh, South American. Uh, tribes and native tribes that did similar things, but Peshen, I think Peshenkif was Mayan. So the Mayans uh, on the Yucatan, they performed this. And then in Egypt, the ceremony literally meant opening of the mouth. Um, in Central America, the ritual was called Piaki, which means open the mouth. So they're very, very similar. And when Hiram Abiff was struck on the head, it was the opening of the mouth ceremony, the, the soul... The spirit, it escapes, and it goes into the heavens. The physical body stays behind in the tomb, which was the temple, where Hiram Abiff was struck down. It's pretty incredible, because there's so much that can be derived from this story, and a lot of us just think like, oh, Freemasons? Yeah, they worship the devil. Uh, no, quite to the contrary. <laughs> Some of them might. Has Freemasonry been infiltrated? Yeah, Freemasonry was infiltrated. Infiltrated by what? People that don't know what they're talking about? People that are trying to use it to manipulate the world? You know? I don't think Freemasonry is evil, but I have this nostalgia in my heart for Masonry and for secret societies because we don't we don't hear about this stuff anymore or as much as we used to. Now we hear about cabals and deep states and QAnon. We don't hear a lot about the classics 
Freemasonry, Skull and Bones, the Knights Templar. We don't hear a lot about those old stories of what the Templars did. And, you know, that's for the History Channel. That's for the Jim Mars generation. We're in a new generation now of information proliferation and a spreading of whatever people think of in the moment. Really a violation of the sacred and the divine because the three people that struck Hiram Abiff down as many authors relate, represented perverted thought, uncurbed emotion, and destructive action. And I think those uncurbed emotions, destructive actions, and perverted thoughts are what leads to this proliferation of information, misinformation, disinformation, and outright just poor research. And it causes a lot of confusion. But it also helps to preserve the sacred and the divine. And those of us who can see through it are able to to assist and facilitate that preservation and allow it to build ourselves up as the bodily temples in a much larger unfinished societal pyramid. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. www.thesecretteachings.info There's more after this. Don't go anywhere right here on The Fringe FM. listen to this and again you know people say david has no evidence david has no evidence but i hate this channel or you could listen to the secret teachings with myself ryan gable five nights a week on the fringe fm and join us to explore the outer limits of history symbolism parapolitics and more we'll explore a little of everything but don't take my word for it i'm kind of like you i'm a last of a dying breed a generalist that's the secret teachings.info and the fringe fm If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. Every year around the holidays, we heavily discount our subscriptions and books here at The Secret Teachings. That means you can get a one-year subscription to our archive, which includes the Montage Archive and all of my digital books 
the published and the unpublished ones. You will also get an autographed physical copy of your choice of one of my published books, either Food Philosophy, The Technological Elixir, or Occult Arcana, shipped free in the United States. All of this for the discounted price of $40 throughout the holiday season. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and donate via PayPal or use the email rdgable at yahoo.com. Come join us on The Secret Teachings where you'll learn things like the origin of the word holiday. It comes from the Old English holiday, meaning holy day. So celebrate the holy days with The Secret Teachings for yourself as a gift or for someone else www.thesecretteachings.info They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> it's like you're all working for the same guy. Why listen to the Fringe FM? We are your number one source for talk radio the mainstream media won't touch. Joe Root brings you everything occult with lighting the void. Ryan Gables shatters paradigms with esoteric knowledge on the secret teachings. Gigi and Cortana explore the inner workings of our reality with Shift Happens. Jess of the Rogue Report brings you years of research to explore the hidden facts behind alternative topics. And myself, Alex Exum of Live Talk, the so-called Joker in the deck. We are The Fringe FM. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out The Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's The Fringe FM. out there and so are we ktlk digital broadcasting the fringe fm howdy this is joe mars the new york times best-selling author of crossfire rule by secrecy rise of the fourth reich and my latest one our occulted history and you're listening to the secret teachings secret societies are a great source for conspiracy theories and hollywood blockbusters legends add to the mystique every year the world's largest ceos political figures financial leaders and other very important people hold a secret gathering known as the bilderberg meeting or group skull and bones was started in 1832 when people were starting to become suspicious of organizations like the freemasons they become the head of different commissions in the government they become CEOs, they become big partners of law firms. You know, you're dealing with some pretty heavy people, and because you're a club member, you have direct access to them. So what is Freemasonry? Simply put, it's the world's oldest and largest fraternity. It's membership a who's who of world history. George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Winston Churchill, Mozart, Davy Crockett, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Houdini, Gerald Ford, Henry Ford, John Wayne, even Colonel Sanders. At one time, Christianity was a secret society to avoid Roman persecution. The Mafia is a secret society. Our membership has its pleasures, its hardships, and sometimes its pain. It's a war for control. The control of your mind and your body. Americans are traditionally independent. Very hard to control, but the architects of the new world order have ways to force you into submission.
I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. Thank you all for tuning in this evening, staying with us through the broadcast. Going into December 2020. And over the last year, we've really just been inundated with politics and parapolitics and sickness and health and all kinds of things that we've sort of forgotten, at least in the radio world, about things that used to be like the nightly topic. And it's not just in the last year, it's in the last 10 years. They've been replaced by other things like today whether it's in 2020 and coronavirus or whatever it might be, we hear about deep states and secret plans and conspiracies. And we hear about how one side does this, another side does that, but not really sure who's in charge. And there's a cabal and there's secret information leaked out by something named Q. It used to be a lot easier. (laughs) It used to be, Look, the Freemasons did it, the Illuminati infiltrated them in the 1700s, and that was the end of Freemasonry. The Illuminati controlled the world, and that's the show. And even when that was the thing, like I remember I used to walk into WPRK 91.5 FM. I wish I could just for nostalgic purposes go back there and do a show sometime. I think that would be really cool. But I I remember I went in this... Uh, studio one one morning because I used to do the show at like 6 a.m. but I'd fill in other spots. I went into the studio and there was this girl and I, I think it was her, I think it was also her boyfriend, I'm not sure, but there was this guy and this girl in there and they were doing a show. And I walked in and this girl always made fun of me. But I think she made fun of me because she kind of like wanted to hear what I was saying. You know they say when like a girl likes you, she kind of picks on you, makes fun of you. I don't think the girl liked me. I think she just kind of liked the show and didn't want to admit it. So she'd make these like snide comments like, oh, here comes the little Alex Jones. Oh, here comes the little David Icke. But like she knew way too much about it, you know what I mean, to, to make those kinds of comments. Like you kind of need to know who Alex Jones and David Icke are to make those comments. So she would make fun of me and say things like, oh, you're going to talk about secret societies and conspiracies today? I'd say, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. <laughs> of course I am. That's what this show's about that's what we talk about we talk about freemasons we talk about secret societies we talk about conspiracies we talk about health i was talking about health back then although i was one of the probably the one of the most unhealthy guys at that at that liberal radio college which is the radio station at the college so anyway i used to do a lot about secret societies and secret societies used to be blamed for everything and now we really don't think or hear much about secret societies we hear about cabals and deep states and we hear about QAnon. So there's been a changing of the guard. However, things like QAnon are are internet conspiracies. Like there isn't a QAnon organization. There are groups that people have made, but QAnon is just anonymous. In fact, QAnon is very much like anonymous. It's this anonymous figure. Nobody really knows who it is. Anonymous, the hacker group of this these people from all over the world. Nobody has you know, the higher credentials per se. There are organizers, of course, but it's just hackers from around the world. And these people that are hacking, they all just kind of take on the 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 um, persona of Anonymous. 
That's what kind of like what Q is. You really can't pinpoint what or who it is. People have theories, sure. But that QAnon is, is the new anonymous. Uh, anonymous used to be the big thing. And now anonymous is gone. And now it's QAnon, which Q is also anonymous. And then you have Masons did it and the Illuminati did it, which you'll still find on the Internet. But that's been replaced by the Cabal did it. The Deep State did it. And this gets into some some weird correlations with aliens and things like this. But my point tonight was to kind of revive the story of Freemasonry and revive the subject of secret societies because they're still alive and active today. You know, as opposed to something like a cabal or a deep state, I can go to Yale University and I can see the Skull and Crossbones tomb. I, I can go, I mean, if I really wanted to, I guess I could. I don't know how, they probably got the place locked down um, now. But I could probably go to Bohemian Grove and see the 40-foot tall stone owl still. You know, I can go to the Bilderberg, the first Bilderberg meeting in the 50s. I can go to the hotel where they had the meeting. We know where they hold the Bilderberg meeting every year. Like, I can go, I can go to Masonic temples. I can go to Salt Lake City and go to the big Scottish Rite Egyptian temple there. And um, well, I, did, I remember when I went to Salt Lake City and I saw that big temple, um, I didn't get to go inside. Uh, but I remember, you know, they had all this Egyptian imagery there. And a lot of people say, hey, Freemasonry, it goes back to early 1700s England, where the Grand Lodge was established. And that's true in perhaps an institutional form, but the Freemasonry was, was active long before that lodge was established. Some authors trace it all the way back to Egypt. And in fact, in Egypt, there was a practice of when a pharaoh died or when someone of prestige died, they would be, uh, you know, not everybody was, was embalmed and mummified, but they would go through this process of being prepped for the afterlife, a preservation of the body, which also is told in the story of Osiris, the green god, and his brother Set, and um, the wife of Set, Nephthys, and Isis, the wife of Osiris. That story, one of my favorite myths, where Osiris is cut into pieces and he's put back together, and when he's put back together, he's put back together with linen to hold the body together. So he becomes this linen-encased man with his head protruding forth, which represents consciousness, which is why the Ankh is a representation also of Osiris in that regard. It's not, he's not green because he's an alien. He's green because of vegetation. He was a god of agriculture, like the goddess uh, Demeter and her daughter Persephone, which is like my second favorite myth. I'm just geeking out on the myths right now, but those are like my two favorite myths. And the mummy comes from that. That's where the linen wrapping of the, the body comes from to preserve it so that they face Osiris in the afterlife. So in Egypt, they would crack the skull open and hold the mouth open. And so, so the, the, the person, the real person, not the persona, but what we call the person, who you really are, the soul spirit, it comes out of the body, it comes out of the mouth, out of the head, and it, and it goes forth into the heavens, and this was thought to quicken the process of that uh, transition. So this is a practice 
that was also called in Central America piaki, which means open the mouth. And so they did the same thing in Egypt where it was called opening of the mouth to Central America where it was called open the mouth, piaki, and they had the same tradition thousands of years ago and they did the same thing to their royals and to the elites and to the priests and to the leaders and the rulers to prepare them for the afterlife. So this, this body didn't remain a vessel for the soul. And that is in the story of Hiram Abiff where he's struck down at the eastern gate of the temple. He lays down in the temple. He's dead. The body is dead. Inside of the temple, which is the tomb of the body, it is our world. It is our physical being. And then he rises. They smack him on the head with the mallet. And then he rises at the eastern gate of the temple, which is where initiates would leave the temple, the dungeon, the whatever it was, the pyramid, wherever they were initiated, they'd leave to the east and they'd become a son of God, not a son of man or a daughter of man or a daughter of woman, son of woman. They'd become a son of God. And so you take this idea and you look at the word Hiram, and Hiram was definitely a real person, but you look at this word Hiram, and Hiram is king of Tyree, but Hiram is a word that means son of a widow. So the widow, of course, would be probably the mother of Christ on earth, and uh, Mary would be the widow. You are the son of the widow. You are essentially the Jesus character, and you are struck down, buried in the temple, and then like your soul, like your spirit, and then you rise forth in the east. You're crucified on the cross. You're struck down by ignorance. You're struck down by people who represent emotion and action and thought that are uncurbed and uncontrolled. And if you're able to overcome those, then you become initiated. You become part of the societal temple and you become a strong foundation to help others. And Masonry today essentially has become just that. It's a fraternity to help others. And a lot of people have kind of forgotten about Freemasonry, at least you know, in our community of people that listen to radio like this. And so I saw this, um, this article from NPR I mentioned at the beginning of the show. It says, Freemasons say they're needed more than ever. So why are their ranks dwindling? And in the article, they point out that among the members of Freemasonry over the years have been founding fathers of the United States, presidents, musicians, artists, businessmen. But membership today has essentially collapsed because people don't necessarily see the significance in joining a secret society. And I think for some, it's because they can join, you know, secret enclaves on the Internet. And they can be Internet sleuths and Internet celebrities and I'm not saying people that do that should join the Masons. I'm just saying membership has decreased uh, substantially. Uh, it's dropped 75% from a high of more than 4.1 million in 1959 when about 4.5% of all Americans were members. And uh, some Masons felt that there, uh, you know, there are different reasons for this. But this isn't the first time that it's happened. Um, Membership declined following the disappearance and the famous story that we do not have time for, but the famous story of 
William Morgan, who supposedly broke his vow of secrecy as a Freemason and was, well, he was, they killed him. Uh, They hanged him. But that story might just be an exaggeration, kind of like Hiram Abiff. And it just kind of shows people don't reveal the secrets because Hiram Abiff wouldn't reveal the secrets and he lost his life as a result of that. Uh, But there are so many other, you know, organizations like, there are organizations like the Knights of Columbus, right? And the Knights of Columbus, I believe, uh, I think uh, the Bushes are also involved in the Knights of Columbus. I, I guess I just have, I have this nostalgia for secret societies because this is how I began in radio and just reading this article, and I watched the James Bond movie Spectre last night, and uh, you know they're all, they're all together in this dark room, and they're talking about controlling drug prices and migrants and things like that, and how they can better control the world. And I mean, this is like this is what we used to talk about in radio. I mean, if you remember, like old Art Bell, it, it, it was it's a different kind of radio than not that he's talking about secret societies, but it's a different kind of radio than you hear today. Uh, you listen to like. Um, I mean, there are a lot of radio shows you could listen to to get this feeling, but even authors, like authors don't, there aren't a lot of Jim Mars left. There aren't a lot of people like David Icke. There aren't a lot of people that are generalists. And the people that might specialize in in certain things, they're not writing a lot about secret societies anymore. Like, you don't hear a lot about it anymore because secret societies have been replaced by deep states and cabals. And we've kind of forgotten about the mystery of what lies in in this world as opposed to as it's been replaced with things that exist on the internet. Now you can be a member of a secret society and you can fight injustice and you can do all these things with an internet connection. No need to leave your house. But I think that there's an importance in these kinds of fraternities and whether or not you're in one, you can still be a Freemason. You can still be someone who builds their own character, becomes a better person, and contributes to a better society, more just society. Not a social just society, a socially justified, a social justice. Because those people aren't actually doing anything to better themselves. You have to better yourself first, and then you can contribute to overall society. Not turn power of the individual over to a giant collective mob. And I think this is perhaps one of the reasons that these fraternities are, are, are kind of being abandoned in a way. But Freemasonry has been here for thousands of years, and it will remain probably for thousands of years. It is a cornerstone of human society, human culture, human civilization more so. Like it has been a cornerstone, a foundation. No pun intended. It's really a cornerstone of human society and development from connections to the French Revolution, to the American Revolution, back to Egypt, and to today. Freemasonry remains this mysterious, secret society, much of which those involved probably don't know much more than you or I do, about the origins, at least. And I'm sure that there are some who do. So tonight I wanted to revive it and bring Masonry forth from the tomb that it has been placed into, and the other secret societies, to remind you that secret societies exist, they have existed, they will remain remain in existence, and they 
will continue to influence world and social and cultural and economic and other affairs. And it's not always nefarious. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you all so much for listening. www.thesecretteachings.info If you donate through PayPal, $40, you get all three of my books digitally sent to you. You can access the old books that I wrote that we talked about tonight. So you get six books digitally. You get a physical copy of either Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, or The Technological Elixir. Free shipping, and you get a one-year subscription to the archive. You can buy it as a gift for somebody else. You can buy a book separately as a gift, but when you subscribe, we're doing our Black Friday end-of-the-year holiday special, $40 for one year. You can use it to renew your subscription you have questions, email me, rdgable at yahoo.com, rdgable at yahoo.com, rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to the Fringe FM. Stay safe, stay informed. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. When you support the show, you support yourself, the network, and you allow us to do this show five nights a week, to bring you the topics that we do. Hope you enjoyed tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Time's up. Time may be up for tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings, but don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Every year around the holidays, we heavily discount our subscriptions and books here at The Secret Teachings. That means you can get a one-year subscription to our archive, which includes the montage archive and all of my digital books, the published and the unpublished ones. You will also get an autographed physical copy of your choice of one of my published books, either Food Philosophy, The Technological Elixir, or Occult Arcana, shipped free in the United States. All of this for the discounted price of $40 throughout the holiday season. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and donate via PayPal or use the email rdgable at yahoo.com. Come join us on The Secret Teachings where you'll learn things like the origin of the word holiday. It comes from the Old English holiday, meaning holy day. So celebrate the holy days with The Secret Teachings for yourself as a gift or for someone else www.thesecretteachings.info